Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. The men's USA basketball team is still the heavy favorites, even after the loss to France and some other gold medal odds. You have the USA minus 300, Australia plus 800, Spain plus 900, France with the big win over USA at plus 1100. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, Head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm here with my mans and co host, Bobby Lamarco. You can find us on Twitter at our name, Sky Guasco, S K Y G U A S C O, and Bobby Lamarco. Last name, L-A-M-A-R-C-O, LaMarco. Bobby, what's up, brother? Good to have you back, man. You and I do a lot of uh, these solo pods now with guests and everything else. You had a great show with Josh recently. I've had a couple good guests myself. We had Laquan, and we had a Raj on as well talking about the 49ers and the Rams, and we were talking about um, Jennifer and Jacob came on as well to talk about the Bills and the Jets, and you were talking about the Patriots and the Dolphins. we got a lot going on, man, this last couple of weeks, but uh, you and I haven't been on an episode for a while, brother. How are you? Listen, we love our guests, and we appreciate everybody coming on, but we save the fun stuff for each other. We the sleepers, the duds. <laughs> that's what we want to talk about, so that's why we're together here. And the best part, too, is we might be double-dipping. We might have another one later this week for another division, so I'm excited to talk about some sleepers and breakouts. Yeah, it's been a lot, man, and and with the, the studs and duds and breakouts and sleepers, you know, everybody likes to make their call. Everybody likes to kind of put their – put their hat in the ring and be like, yo, this is my guy or it's not my guy. And here's why. But Bobby, you and I take this very seriously. And you and I put a lot of work on the back end with what we do in research and analysis, trying to bring the most value to our listeners and followers as possible. I'm going to be super transparent. I'm a little fired up today. Uh, <laughs> as you know, from our pre, as our know from our pre-production meeting, um, it's it's a bit frustrating when I see people with quote unquote hot takes or you know they're they're trying to make a name for themselves and they're just throwing out shit on Twitter, or Instagram or a podcast or YouTube and they're just throwing guys under the bus because it's an opinion or they're building guys up big time with an opinion without actual statistical backing. And in my opinion that just doesn't count. You know, if you're like just a foam person and that is how you at least formulate an opinion. I can dig that on a certain extent. If you're just a numbers person and you form your opinions that way, I do that too. I personally think you need to have a little bit of both when you're evaluating players. But I have like zero tolerance for people who are trying to give knowledge and advice who are just simply saying this player is going to be top 10, uh, like guaranteed, lock it in, no doubt about it. And like that's the tweet. It, it just – it boils me for some reason i'm not sure why i just feel like for the people who are putting in so much time and effort and energy into what we're doing taking it seriously it almost undermines what we're doing because that's what gets the traction right because they're just talking shit and people react to it versus us who are putting up like actual facts and bases and so am i off base here are you going to cool me down or speed me up like how do you feel about this because you and i and so many other people in the space 
take this seriously and we're analytical, we're, we're numbers based. And when I see people just putting up opinions without the backing of actual numbers and knowledge, it is very frustrating to me. I should have known when you walked, came on the screen with no sleeves that this was going to be a trouble podcast. We're hey man, running like, hot, running hot. Dude, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm smitzing myself here. I'm, I'm I'm on Twitter doing research, quote unquote, um, and looking at some opinions and looking at some people that I respect in the industry, looking at their articles and finding their tweets of you know things that I've saved over the time to find stats and stuff. And in the midst of that is a bunch of just sludge that I have to get through. And it's like, Bro, you're right, man. I mean, I'm I'm a little I'm a little smitzy today, and yeah, right. I have to be honest. You live in beautiful San Diego, California, right, bro? So I don't want to hear no sleeves, okay? Because if you walk outside your house, ninety five percent of the people you see will not have sleeves on. I live in nice. Eugene, Oregon, where it can be a hundred degrees or like forty two degrees any given day of the year. Right now, yeah. it's about high eighties, low nineties, and uh, I'm feeling it. So, mm. anyway, I just want to start with kind of a, a bit of a rant. I'm not a rant guy. I'm not a hot takes guy. I'm sorry to kind of get us off wrong foot here. I want to refocus. I'm going to take a breath yes. and a, a sip as I get your uh, reply here. I just wanted to kind of voice my opinion and stick up for the people who are grinding their ass, doing it properly, in my opinion. And for those of you that aren't necessarily doing it that way notice that it's 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 noticed and um acknowledged so please uh you know amp up the game i feel is just important to, to throw out there you know what honestly man i uh i can't really focus on other what other people are doing in the industry i just have to focus on what i'm doing i i like it i enjoy it that's the only reason why i'm here and it's just that simple uh, we connected um last year about the podcast and we kind of we you, you don't be honest with scott you're the only person that actually ever saw my tweets and I used to have like these crazy detailed tweets that only one person would comment on them. And that was you. So like, I get it. But at the same time, you know what, man, like for anybody who's doing this, I just, one lesson I've learned is no one's going to find you. You got to go, you got to sell yourself. You got to go out there. So I, knowing that I don't take it personally. I just kind of like say, you know what, I'll keep applying. I'll keep tweeting. I'll keep doing these podcasts because it's fun and uh, hopefully it works out in the next year or so. So it's all good. Well, I appreciate that, man. And thank you for kind of, you know, uh, cooling me down a little bit, but we do have a <laughs> we do have a very fun episode. We're going to look at the AFC East studs, duds, breakout sleepers, and give you a deep sleeper as well. Before we get into that, though, I do of course want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors today. And one thing that I am very excited about, and I'm always pumped up and in a positive attitude about, is our relationship and our partnership with our friends at the Jersey Jungle. You can DM them on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK, receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three plus jerseys. Yo, they just got in like Olympic jerseys, right? If I know the basketball team's struggling currently, but if you're into like, low, I'm, I'm repping the, the baseball team, the softball teams, right? They have the basketball as well. We have um, soccer if you're into that as well. We also have the NFL clearly heating up only a month out. We have baseball in the second half of the season. The NBA just finished up. Maybe you want a Milwaukee Bucks jersey. Um, hockey, if that's your thing, you live up in the north and you want to get that, feel free to hit up the Jersey Jungle at the Jersey Jungle on uh, Instagram. That's where they handle their business. My man Trenton will take care of you. Use the promo code TCK to get 10 to 15% off of your order. All right, Bobby. We've spent long enough. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm rinsed. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Let's crush. Let's get right into the studs here. Now, this is a unique thing. So we, we've done a couple of these so far, and try to read off who's eligible. So we're not thinking now. This is just the AFC East. Okay, that's right. 
important caveat, just yeah. the AFC East players, okay? So Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets players only for this podcast and conversation. Now, the stud for what we're doing is we're doing rounds one through five, and who in that area will outpace their current ADP? That is a stud. For the duds, we're also doing rounds one through five, and who of that area will maybe underperform their current ADP? Now, with the AFC East, being the AFC East, there's not a lot of fantasy gold nuggets in there. Now, the three, the two that everybody knows is Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs, clearly. Mm-hmm. The other one going in the fifth round is Miles Gaskin. That's the only other player in this division going in the fifth round. So for the studs and duds, we're going to kind of shrink wrap our conversation for this particular episode, and we're going to get into Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Miles Gaskin. So we're going to kind of just preview all three of them. I'll let you kick off. Who are you picking of those three to be your stud? Now, Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs are very expensive already. So that's yeah. that's a challenge for them to outpace their ADP. But basically, let's just kind of maybe fix this one a little bit. So who's who's you know going to finish in that area versus fall? And then we'll get into our duds after that. Okay. So unfortunately, I don't know what to say about this division because, uh, yes, the studs. I, I think when you're looking at this – Breaking it down, AFC East studs, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. They are the studs. And I'm not saying they're not studs. But I just have some things I want to put into context. Number one, we just got news today about Devontae, about Aaron Rodgers. He's coming back. And that means Devontae Adams is going to shoot up draft boards again. He's going to be in the rightful place on top of the wide receiver chart. But as of today, Stephon Diggs is going at the one-two turn. And in the draft I just did for a three-receiver league, he actually went right around 15. Now, something I want to point out to everybody about Stefan Diggs. Yes, last year he was the third best receiver, and it wasn't necessarily close. It was it was Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Stefan Diggs. But I want to keep something in mind. Last year, Devontae Adams averaged five more points per game in half-point PPR than Stefan Diggs. Tyreek Hill, the number two receiver, averaged 2.4 more points per game than Stefan Diggs. And they are going right next to each other. They are not the same. I personally think there is a huge difference between Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill. I think that you could take Tyreek Hill at the one-two turn. I do not think you could take Stefan Diggs there. The reason why is this. Stefan Diggs, the wide receiver three, was closer to Adam Thielen, who was the wide receiver nine in points per game last year, than he was Tyreek Hill at wide receiver two. If you want to match Devontae Adams to Stefan Diggs at five points per game, You'd have to go all the way to wide receiver 26, and that is Chase Claypool. He is at 11.6 points per game. Stephon Diggs is at 16.6 points per game, and Devontae Adams at 21.6 points per game. You have to take this into context. Yes, Stephon Diggs is the third best receiver. Absolutely. But when you evaluate the actual points per game and the actual impact that they have on your team, he is not worth a top 15 pick in my opinion. I think that i much rather take the shot on guys like the running backs. Aaron Jones is going behind him, one thousand percent with him. With with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Coach, Jones needs to go ahead of him. Joe Mixon, another great example. Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris. Even though I'm not a big Najee Harris guy, him and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I personally feel like you need to take the shot on a running back who could be somewhat elite at that position over a guy like Stephon Diggs. Now, wow. I, I just personally don't see – there is when I saw that impact difference, it's like, you know what? I know for a fact that I can go get a guy literally a whole round later 
you know, whether it's the Justin Jeffersons are falling into the third round now. You got A.J. Brown falling into the third round now. These other guys, I mean, Calvin Ridley's probably going to go early. But I personally just feel like you're going to get another impactful player in that late third round that you're going to get similar, closer to than what you can get as an impact running back. Because the running backs are going to dry up fast. You're looking at David Montgomery potentially, who I think is probably being underdrafted, of course. But then it goes to Josh Jacobs. Big question marks there. Then you're talking about Miles Gaskin, which I don't think anybody wants Mike Davis. I just think that if you're going to take the shot, take the shot on those running backs, because I think you can get better value at the third, fourth round turn at the receiver position. It's a great call. And, and obviously, folks, you know, as they say, don't hear what he's not saying. He's not saying he doesn't want Stephon Diggs or that Stephon Diggs isn't isn't any good. Uh, it's just the draft cost. And that's what it comes right. down to talking studs and duds because you are drafting him at his absolute ceiling. Devontae Adams went absolutely insane last year. I would argue after today's knowledge and just the attitude in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers can come back this season, and I know he went just ballistic last year and won the MVP. He could be better next year just out of protest. The team, he could walk in that office and be like, yo, I'll come back, but like this is my team while I'm here. And he, I think, could do that. Throw for 50 touchdowns of 5,000 yards, and we know that 90% of that production is going to go to Devontae Adams. So Devontae Adams could even go up. Tyreek Hill has yet to play a full season, and he is not boom bust. He's much better than boom bust, obviously. But he, I think, even has a higher right? All of his production in that massive game versus the Buccaneers in the regular season, 200 yards and three touchdowns, whatever, that was in the first half. He they took him away in the second half. If he duplicates that, it's it's unreal. So those two guys I think can go higher with their ceiling. I'm not sure Stephon Diggs can go higher than what he did last year, even with the development of Josh Allen. So taking the ceiling of the higher upper echelon running backs, I would say is more important also at that area. Stephon Diggs last year led the NFL with 127 receptions, 1,535 yards. Absolutely fantastic receiving season, just eight touchdowns. So the touchdowns could go up. Maybe he stays at about 120 catches, which is incredible, but 1,500 yards again, I'm not sure that that's going to happen, so we'll see there. And he was still, with all that, he was still number three, as Bobby mentioned. For my stud, I'm going to stay in Buffalo, and I'm going to go with Josh Allen. And I know that he's expensive, too. For most people <laughs> right now, he's the number two quarterback off the board. A lot of people, if you don't have Josh Allen, you have Kyler Murray, okay? That's a conversation. Those comparisons are conversation for another time. Patrick Mahomes is, once again, the kind of unanimous – Quarterback one heading the season. Kyler Murray and Josh Allen are the number twos. Now, Josh Allen to be a stud in our conversation would have to surpass his ADP. Now, last year he was the number one, depending on your format. So he's done it and could do it again. I don't know that he will outpace Patrick Mahomes over a healthy full season, but I do think he will stay in the top three personally. So I'm still going to consider him a stud. So his completion percentage Last year was at 69.2%, best of his career by far. He threw for 5,544 yards. He also threw 37 touchdowns and only 10 interceptions. And obviously a very big part of his game is the rushing game. He ran for 421 yards, over 100 rush attempts by a quarterback. His percentage of QB1 type games, so QB12 or better, uh, quarterback won games. Um, has increased each of his seasons. It was 41% as a rookie, 43 last year or two years ago, and 56% of the time last year he was a QB12 or better, and most of those he was actually QB8 or better. He tallied 26-plus fantasy points in eight of his games last season, which was tied for most 
in the NFL and nine games last year. He had a QBR quarterback rate of over 100. Anything over 100 is fantastic. He had nine games last year over 100. Eight of those games he threw for 300-plus passing yards. Remember, in the first two years of his career, he did not have any games of 300 yards or more passing. Last year he had eight such games of 300-plus passing and two games in which he threw over 400 yards. He had nine games last year of 25-plus fantasy points, and his QBR, completion percentage, passing yardage, and passing touchdowns has all increased each of his three seasons. And the best kind of nut that we all know, but if you really think about it, is incredible. He had eight rushing touchdowns as a rookie, nine as a sophomore, eight again last year. If he's good for eight rushing touchdowns, and let's say three to 400 yards on the ground as a floor, it's not Deshaun Jackson, it's not Kyler Murray, but it's the next best thing. And his passing efficiencies and yardage and touchdowns are going up as well. I still think Josh Allen is maybe a year or two away from his ceiling and maybe just now entering his prime as a young developing quarterback. I'm going to stick with Josh Allen. I If I'm on the clock, I usually don't go that early anyway. But if Mahomes goes off, Kyler Murray goes off, and I'm sitting there maybe in the fourth or fifth round and I've got two stud wide receivers, two stud running backs, and my team good to win, I might go Josh Allen uh, as the third quarterback off the board, and I would feel comfortable with that. Okay, so with Josh Allen, it comes down – with these onesie positions, we always talk about this. With tight ends and quarterbacks, you're not drafting the QB4 right after – right before the QB6. So there's huge gaps in these where these guys are being taken. So what I'm going to tell you is if you're in a shallow league, 10-team league, if you only start five starting running backs and, and wide receivers, what I mean by that is two running backs, two receivers, and a flex. I'm all about this draft cost because – you're going to be able to get a rock solid receiver or most likely a receiver in the sixth round to compensate for taking a quarterback early. That being said, I think most leagues we're playing now is 12 teams. You probably got two receivers or three receivers and a flex on top of two running backs. So what I took a look is just to say, all right, where who's going in the seventh round? Because if you draft Josh Allen at the three, four turn, you're passing up the wide receiver 14, 15 and 16. So it's Robert Woods, Mike Evans, and Amari Cooper. He's going right before those guys. So who would you replace? You can get Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, these QB 9 and 10 in the seventh round. The players you're replacing then are going to be Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Will Fuller. So essentially when you look at it this way, it's going to be Josh Allen and let's say Tyler Boyd versus a Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, or whoever deep quarterback you like, and Robert Woods, Mike Evans, and Amari Cooper. Like those are the kind of situations you have to view when you're pulling the trigger early on a quarterback. Because when I looked at the numbers, it's pretty close. But last year, there was a huge, huge dominance of quarterbacks. Like the quarterback nine, which was Tom Brady and Justin Herbert, were 26.1 points per game. That's only two and a half or so points behind what Josh Allen was producing last year. So if you believe that Matthew Stafford that Justin Herbert, that Tom Brady, that Aaron Rodgers, or those kind of quarterbacks can continue to perform at a high level, you're going to get elite quarterback play in the seventh round because you're going to get guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and also um, Matthew Stafford in that range. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like you have to evaluate the situation. Do you want one of those top 15 receivers and one of those quarterbacks, or would you rather take Josh Allen Hope that he does even better this year so he gets over maybe closer to the Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers numbers from last year to give you the elite numbers to go along with a guy like a Tyler Boyd, a Debo Sam, or Will Fuller. 
So I guess in the, in that kind of scenario, Scott, what's your thoughts? Do you, would you let's say for example, Tyler Boyd, Josh Allen, or would you rather have Matthew Stafford and Robert Woods, or Ra- Matthew Stafford, Mike Evans, or Amari Cooper? Uh, those three particular wide receivers I wouldn't necessarily take, but if you are also looking at C.D. Lamb, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, some of those guys, I would I would prefer the later quarterback, early wide receiver. Um, and with Ryan Tannehill, uh, Joe Burrow, if he's right, you right. know, um, Jalen Hurts even potentially if if Deshaun Watson doesn't end up in in Philadelphia, um, I think you can get away with it. And again, I'm not necessarily yeah. this isn't necessarily a conversation of. I like this guy so much. Go get him in the third round. This is of this group and of this division. Here's my stud. You talked about Diggs. I'm talking about Allen. Yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, like I'm probably not going that early to draft Allen. But if I ended up with Allen on my team, um, I'm excited for it. I had him on two teams last year. And I'll tell you right now, outside of one game against Seattle when he had seven sacks and they just played him well, the first game against New England where Bill got the best of them, but then Allen came back and had 30-plus fantasy points, four touchdowns, and over 300 yards the second time they played New England last mm-hmm. year. He's developing quickly. And Brian Dable's yeah. incredible. And and really, like, Sorry. I still think this kid hasn't hit the ceiling. And you know that when you had Kyler Murray in the first half of the season, Russell Wilson in the first half of the season, Lamar Jackson in the second half of the season, Dak Prescott in the first five games of the season, like, if you have that quarterback and they're playing the way that they can potentially – it's a weak winner, but it's also like a league dominator, assuming you have quality pieces around it. And if you had, like, let's say I'm looking at just some some ADP, so I'll look right off the board. Uh, if you got Devontae Adams and let's say your boy, well, that's a bad pairing because on the same team. Let's say Tyreek Hill and Aaron Jones were your first two picks. You come back in the third round and you go and you actually pick uh, Josh Allen in the third or fourth round with, let's say, Allen Robinson or CeeDee Lamb or something like that, right? That, to me, is a solid top-four squad. I'm good with that every single week. And if you can even pair you know, Diggs maybe and Allen, then that's a better stack there. But I'm comfortable with it. I'm not necessarily going to do that on draft day, but I'm okay doing it. And if you're going to go early, I'm still going to – I'm going to go with Mahomes because he's Mahomes. But when it comes down to Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, it's hard for me to, to go with Kyler Murray because – most of his attack is rushing right now, whereas Allen has taken that step to go passing, which can keep yeah. developing. Kyler Murray mostly rushing. We see that with Lamar Jackson. He's dominant when he's rushing. But if he gets hurt like he did in the second half of the season, he shut that down tremendously, and it plummeted him. Josh Allen didn't have that issue last season. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean Josh Allen, and he's my stud out of, out of this group at least. Gotcha. All right. I mean, I agree, man. I think it's just when I'm looking at it from this standpoint, I just think if I believe in a late quarterback, if you got mm-hmm. a guy, you don't need to take the trick, pull the trick on these guys. But if you don't totally. really care, if you don't think Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford are going to give you anything close to the, the, the what the eight to ten got you last year, then yes, I think Josh Allen does give you value in the fourth round. Yeah, I agree. Let's get into our dud here and then we will take another break and give a shout out to our uh, our next sponsor. Um, again, we talked about three names here that are eligible for what we're talking about. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Miles Gaskin. We've already talked about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, both of our studs. That means the odd man out is Miles Gaskin. You and I both have him down as our dud. This is a tough one because when I did the research, there's a lot that stands out about Miles Gaskin that I actually like. First of all, his draft cost. I like that. Um, his opportunity in Miami. I like that too. 
His lack of competition, I like that too. His maybe run-heavy approach with Tua developing still, I like that too. But there's a lot of other things I don't like about him and his situation either. I'm going to let you kick this one off, but you and I both have Miles Gaskin as a dud. And what that means is we're not saying don't draft him at all. We're saying of this division, of these players going the first to five rounds, he's the one that's the odd man out to maybe not reproduce at his current ADP. Uh, I might disagree with you. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm touching him. And I got my reasons why. I, first of all, number one, where he's going, and right now I'm looking at him, it's – he's going around some – like, first of all, he's going around some of those – it depends on the draft. So, NFC ADP hasn't going – Early six of, like, rounds. Those, yeah, he's got him, like, the five-six turn. He's also talking about ahead of guys like Tyler uh, – TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews, which I don't know if that's going to be actually a thing or not. But then even Mike Davis, for example, a player that I think is more solidified mm-hmm. in his role. But here's why. So when I was looking at Miles Gaskin, I talked a little bit about this with with Josh too on our previous podcast. Is Miles Gaskin completely dominated touches when he in the ten games last year? He had a hundred and forty two carries in those games, and the rest of the team combined only had fifty five. Now that's a complete workhorse role. He dominated the touches, and from that point, he had eighteen point three touches per game. He averaged fourteen point nine points per game with Tua. So even with Tua in the three games he played, he still performed. Now, here's what bothers me, right? Salvin Ahmed, for what it's worth, he emerged in the second half. Of course, the perfect timing of Salvin Ahmed is when Gaskin got hurt. Ahmed became the workhorse. He actually did very well with Tua. They only played one game together when they when Ahmed emerged. And that was week 17. In that game, they split work. 11 touches for Gaskin, 9 for Ahmed, 7 carries for Gaskin, 6 for Ahmed. Now, if that's any indication of what could be going forward, now you add a guy like Malcolm Brown, who is a veteran guy, who is probably a more veteran pass pro. He's also a better, like a veteran back goal line, bigger back that could be better in goal line situations. I think they brought him in to be a compliment. I don't see Gaskin getting 18 touches anymore. So I think right there, if you drop him down to that 14, 13, 14 range, that he might be more realistic. He's going to see his points per game plummet, probably closer to 11, and which is fine. It's flexible. It's not a big deal. But he's not going to be a difference maker like he was last year. So basing on that and seeing that Ahmed and him split work that Week 17 game makes me a little bit – I put the pause button on him, especially because if he's going in the fifth, like he's going a little bit later than we talked about. But if he starts going ahead of like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, even like Kenny Galladay, Adam Thielen in that range, I'm not touching him over any of those wide receivers – and I think I'd still take Mike Davis over him. I like that. And I'm going to agree with you. 183 total touches in eight games last year. 18.3 touches per game ranked ninth among running backs when he was in there. So, again, good workload. As you mentioned, they brought in Malcolm Brown, who is going to be used at least in the past game, which could hurt in fantasy. And they still have Salvin Ahmed, who my Niners had brought in as a UDFA. They had too many. They brought in Jamichael Hasty and um, Salvin Ahmed out of Washington and Baylor and they dumped Salvin Ahmed last year. He signs with Miami and gets a role right away, and other than being injured, he was quite effective as well. Gaskin had uh, eight games with at least 12 PPR points in his um, 10 appearances, uh, but you know, just six games last year did he have a total of 19 touches. Um, again, I, I think there's going to be somewhat of a committee there. These, you know, Brian Flores and the rest of this crew are leftover Patriot staff, and Bill has been so successful forever in New England 
running a committee of certain. Now, sometimes LeGarrette Blunt for a long time, um, Sony Michelle is rookie year. Maybe it'll be uh, Damian Harris, who we'll get into later on, might be the lead back, but it's not the only back. They have a committee, and that works well. And I think that's going to work well for different skill sets helping Tua develop there as well. And let's not forget that like camps have just started. So those of us that have been in the fantasy circle forever have been kind of like, God, can we get to – like we, we're at the finish line. Let's get there. For NFL teams, honestly, after the draft and free agency, they're kind of just getting started now again. So unfortunately, guys are going to get cut. You know, the 49ers have six running backs. One or two of them is probably not going to make the squad for the season. So the Dolphins may, and I think they should, bring in another training camp cut or a free agent. Le'Veon Bell's still out there. Adrian Peterson's out there. Duke Johnson is still out there. Um, Dude. Gaskin, Gaskin missed three games last year to train MCL and, and the COVID. It feels like fool's gold to me. There's always running backs every once in a while who are in this range. Mark Ingram was one last year. Um, to- totally different circumstances, but, like, how could it fail? How could oh, he fail? How could he fail? And they fail, right? Um <laughs> And it's just it's it's a bummer. I I just I am with you. I I find it very unlikely that I'm going to end up with Miles Gaskin on any of my teams. Um, and especially as you mentioned, let me bring it up again here. Especially as you mentioned in the sixth round, uh, running backs Chase Edmonds. I'm going to go with James Conner later, but Mike Davis I'll take. I might be talking me into a, a gross Melvin Gordon uh, just for the first five or six games. Ronald Jones oh, yeah. looks good. I don't believe in Leonard Fournette. Raheem Mostert for the first half I like a lot. Kenyon Drake and Michael Carter I think are kind of deeper mid-round sleepers, if you will, and a ton of incredible wide receivers. So I don't yeah. think there's any chance that Miles Gaskin's like my RB2, RB3 on the board. I'd rather just punt or go another position at that point. So I'm going to yeah. pass on Miles Gaskin as well. And look, you know, Bobby and I agree – on this one. Um, and Hey, we may be wrong. If he get, you know, if he gets 18, 19, 20 touches and he's a bell cow and he gets to work and stays healthy with workload alone, he will be a stud and that would be great. I hope he does well. I don't see it happening. Bobby doesn't either. And this is just really important to go against the grain because there's so many players all off season that like somebody big in the industry gets hot on and they say, that's my guy. And here's why. And then a lot of other people, again, on Twitter, kind of fire up the like okay like they latch onto that and don't do their own research i liked miles gaskin the fact that they didn't draft anybody i liked a lot and then i started doing research for this episode and i was like hmm why is everyone so fired up on my miles gaskin other than opportunity if you're pulling the mike davis conversation then fine he's got the opportunity to start but so does raheem mostert so does melvin gordon right i mean so do these like david johnson i mean these like ogs that nobody likes have the same conversation as, as miles gaskin he does not have the pedigree. The draft pedigree is a seventh-round pick, and he's got another seventh-round pick. His former teammate at Washington, Salvin Ahmed, right behind him with Malcolm Brown, who uh, can get it done as well, and I think they might bring in somebody else. So for those reasons, I'm out. That's pretty good. That was deliberate. That was like a – I mean, uh, I let you go because you were – I could see it in your face. That was like a good <laughs> – Shark Tank, uh, Shark Tank shutdown with Miles Gaskin. All right, so we've done our studs. We've done our duds. Our studs, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, no surprise. Uh, possibly surprising, our dud in this division uh, is going to be Miles Gaskin at the draft cost. We're not quite feeling it. Before we get into the breakouts, Bobby, can you give a shout-out to another one of our wonderful sponsors, please? 
Yeah, first of all, I want to talk about the red zone draft boards. First of all, red zone draft boards is like not just a draft board, which is the craziest part. Not only do you get a awesome draft board with a bunch of like stickers, like 4,400 stickers, over 200 spaces. So if you're in a deep league, you get it. But I actually like to show you what you get. You get a championship ring. First of all, number one, just getting a championship ring alone is awesome. And those typically cost like 50 bucks. It's included in the package. Then if you guys have friends in the league that are not into fantasy as much as you are, you actually get cheat sheets from fantasypoints.com. So it's awesome. You're getting the cheat sheets. You're getting the, the draft stickers, the draft board. You're getting the awesome championship ring. So it's just a, it's more than just a draft board. Plus, when you're finally getting back together and you want to you know do this together, it's a great whole scenario. We're all together in the same room, putting up the stickers. It'll be fun. Go to draftredzone.com. In the month of July, you have a couple of days left. You get a ridiculous disc discount under 80 bucks for the draft board plus if you use the promo code tck you get 10 percent off the draft board so now we're talking maybe under 70 dollars for an awesome draft board ring case and more so make sure you go to draftwithredzone.com and use the promo code tck fantastic i'm excited about that man my uh my home league has been doing live drafts for 12 years and last year we had to shut it down of course due to covid we're hoping to get back to it man i love there's something about putting the sticker on the board right. there's something about like it's your so, turn you're grinding everyone's hounding you like you know right. talking a little smack and you're like boom dude i'm, I'm getting up there i'm making my pick i love that sky i got something i got something to add here too listen for for commissioners that's a pain i know from being a commissioner that it sounds it's all fun and games when you're doing the post but then you have to go in and update later don't worry about it. Still do your online draft. Do let them make the pick, but then they still go up and post it on the poster. You're still all there. So like, yes, later on, the commission doesn't need to go in and manually pull all the teams. Mm -hmm. I know that's one of the hiccups with this thing. Trust me, guys. It's still fun to like make the pick, walk up with the swagger and slap it on the board. And then you don't have to worry about later manually putting the team. So if you guys do online, do a combination of both and you'll have a great freaking time. Absolutely. I love that. Hit up the draft board, absolutely, and get yours today, promo code TCK. All right, man, let's get into our breakouts here. So, again, breakouts will be rounds 6 to 10, so middle of the drafts. And the players who are eligible here in this division, Michael Carter, Will Fuller, Damian Harris, Zach Moss, Jalen Waddell, and Mike Kosicki. I'll let you kick off here. Who was your breakout for this division? Yeah, so actually we had the same one, technically, but it was Damian Harris. But I'll let you get Damian. I'm going to talk about Zach Moss. So Zach Moss, uh, obviously, I know a lot of people are, are concerned he's coming off an injury and everything. But my thing with Zach Moss is we kind of saw it last year over the second half of the year. From week 7 to 16, he actually started gaining momentum. So he actually was 24th in carries and yards during that span. So he was in that top 24. He was 12th in carries inside the five with eight during that span. So we started to see his involvement. Yes, Josh Allen's involved heavily in that in the red zone as well as a rusher. But he was 12th during that time frame for carries inside the five. During that time frame, he was a top 30 running back. So he was in that top 30 range, rookie running back playing through there. So, And it includes a stretch, weeks 14 to 16, where he had 12 carries or more during that stress in three of those four games. So we started to see him be more involved, more a solidified role. But forget about Zach Moss. It's Brian Dayball. What's overshadowed last year, I know he Brian Dayball is an awesome coordinator, and he did the right thing by going on Josh Allen. Brian Dayball, people don't realize, is an absolute run game guru, okay? A lot of people, 2009, I don't think a lot of people remember this. He was the Cleveland offensive coordinator. Remember Jerome Harris? If you remember Jerome Harris, Harrison, Jerome Harrison in 2009, 
he had this crazy, like five, six week span. He won everyone a championship. It was awesome. He went off. The following year, remember a guy named Peyton Hillis? Remember Madden cover Peyton Hillis? I've heard of that him for 16 Bri- weeks. That was Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball's run game concept got Peyton Hillis a Madden cover. Okay? That's all you need to do. 1,100 plus yards, double digit touchdowns, involved in the past, enormous. Peyton Hillis, Jerome Harrison. No spectacular talents, but let's talk about some great talents. In 2011, Reggie Bush had his career high. 1,086 rushing yards in a season. He only rushed for 1,000 yards twice. The most was with Brian Dayball in Miami one season over 1,000 yards. Then in 2012, Jamal Charles. Okay, Jamal Charles was the best. He had one season in his career over 1,500 yards. Scott, you want to take a guess who was the offensive coordinator that year? Uh, Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball. That is correct. You win a prize. You win a draft board. Uh, So this is my point. Like, this is where it's so we're seeing career years out of running backs under Brian Dayball, and we've seen crazy seasons out of guys who just disappeared right afterwards. This guy has crazy run game concepts, and that's what I want to see. I want to take advantage of that. Plus, the Chiefs have taught us one thing you cannot be one dimensional and win the Super Bowl. They needed a run game, they invested in the offensive line, they know Clyde Edwards Hilarious to be more involved. I think the Bills will probably follow suit in some way. There's going to be some regression back to the mean for the sense of the balance of the offense. And I think Zach Moss, and of course, listen, Devin Singletary, I'll be watching the competition. And if Devin Singletary wins, I'll tip the cap and I'll draft Devin Singletary a little bit later. But Zach Moss right now is where I have my eye on. I think he could be a breakout in 2021. So, Bobby, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're basically saying that Zach Moss will be on the cover of Madden in 2022. Can't wait. Okay. You heard it here first. You just did you tell me before the podcast would be to make crazy statements. Now timestamp it, and I want it timestamped so we can make when it comes out, me and you will be the only ones that believe it. I can't wait. All right. Late July, Bobby Lamarco says Zach Moss on the cover of Madden 2022. Okay. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Tom. You know, have a have a seat, Tom. Maybe uh, yeah. maybe in 2023, Mahomes, not yeah. uh, not 2022. I love Take it. All right. I, I dig it. You know, I, I have hesitations like everybody else does because, A, here's the thing, too. It, it's frustrating. I was just talking uh, I was just talking with, with Jennifer and Jacob, uh, Jennifer Akins and Jacob Charno on our previous episode with the Jets and the Bills team breakdowns. And I think everybody likes Zach Moss and Devin Singletary as individuals. The problem is they're both pretty talented but can't be – neither one of them are like lead backs yet – and mm-hmm. with the ascension of Josh Allen in this passing game, last year they just straight up gave up on the passing game. So I'm a little on bit hesitant game. on – I'm sorry, thank you. Gave up yeah. on the run game, went heavy pass game. I'm a little bit concerned about that. I'm going to stick with the Patriots here, and I know this is this is a bit sketchy because I don't like to go all in on a Patriots running back. Um, but I do like what I see from Dave Harris, and I love my boy James White. And I haven't been able to do that in a long time because I haven't talked to him in forever. But he is coming back with his for his eighth season. I do I no longer believe in your boy Sony Michelle. Um, Ramondre Stevenson coming in, fine. He'll be water early, maybe next year. But I think Damian Harris is going to be the dog to start at least. Now he's getting drafted as the running back 35. That's David Johnson, Leonard Fournette territory. David mm-hmm. Johnson played pretty well last year. But without Deshaun Watson, either for suspension or just off the team, Davis Mills, uh, Terod Taylor, like I, I don't 
I don't want David Johnson anymore. He was a legend for three, two seasons. Fantastic. No, thank you. Leonard Fournette, if I'm going anywhere in Tampa Bay, it's going to be Ronald Jones. I'm going to pass on playoff Lenny until week 18. Um, so I'm going to go with Damian Harris here in that range. Former third-round pick. He has a size and the speed to break tackles, which I like. You know, Nick Chubb, obviously I'm not going to compare anybody to uh, Derek Henry, but has the <laughs> yeah. speed and the strength to break tackles. He had a 90.3 PFF grade, which was second in the league behind only Derrick Henry at 91.8 in a tackle breaking efficiency there. He averaged 13.7 rush attempts per game in 2020 and averaged just 40% of the snaps. So if he gets a higher snap share percentage, let's say 60 because he's a starter, which is minimum 60, 65% snap share, that rush average is going to go up. If he can get 16 rushes a game or so, in what should be a movable offense this season, I think he will be just fine to increase both of those. And, of course, he gets a boost if and when Cam misses time and Mac Jones comes up. Now, there's the very obvious fade here, which is, well, Cam Newton's the goal line back. 100%. I agree. 12 rushing touchdowns last season. That's not going to change. However, I'm going to get into Cam Newton in a little bit. Spoiler alert. And I'll save a lot of that for that conversation. But I think Cam Newton gets better in year two with the Patriots. That just means to me that the offense overall gets better. The offense gets better. There's more opportunities to score, big plays, red zone, 10 zone, five-yard efficiency, goal line efficiency. And if it's not Cam, because look, the reality is Cam Newton did go nuts last year running the ball, and everyone knows he's going to do it. But the Seahawks decided, okay, he's going to run in the goal line. And what did they do? They stuffed him three plays in a row, and Cam wasn't doing it pretty much for the rest of the season after that. So – you got to be careful a little bit there. I like Damian Harris. Again, not crazy about these middle-round running backs, but if I compare everybody, else, I'm going to take Damian Harris over Michael Carter, which I know is not popular, but I'm going to mm. come over Michael Carter. I'm going to take him over Zach Moss. I don't believe in Will Fuller or Jalen Waddell yet, Tua, and Mike Kosicki as well. I'm going to fade at tight end. So of this group, in the breakouts, six to ten rounds, I'm going to go with Damian Harris. I agree with thousand percent. He's my pick too. Uh, I did Zach Moss as well because I like him, but I talked about this a little bit on my previous show with, with Josh. Listen, I just looked at Cam Newton from 2011, 2018. And actually to, to make it fair, I actually took out the CMC years. So I'm looking at the Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams combination years. And I just looked at the RB one finish for those running backs. And I think Jonathan Stewart is a great comp. Because not big in the passing game, but he's a good runner with Cam Newton. So those years, the RB finish, average finish was 22 and a half. So from that time frame, so from 2011 through before the CMC year, which was like 2017. So 2011, 2016, the average finish was about 22 and a half uh, for running back finish. 151 fantasy points and 10.6 points per game in half point PPR. So the 151 is, is RB 25. And the points per game is about RB28. So based on where he's getting drafted and based on some of the history we're talking about, he's got some room to improve on his ADP. But the thing I love the most is PFF just released their offensive line grades. Number three is the Patriots. Crazy. They have a big faith on the Patriots this year. And if that line is good and you got Cam Newton helping with the run game as well, I just think that Damian Harris is probably going to be a low-end RB2 this year. So I'm totally buying him. And he's a great pick. For even if you go RB early, one, two, and then you fade the position for three to six, three to seven rounds, that eighth round pick that you can get him at, or maybe back into the seventh, I love Damian Harris as your RB3. I totally agree. And again, in this round, you're looking for like decent floor, which is 
Damian Harris, and you're looking for upside, which is Damian Harris. And we know, yeah. like, James White's the pass catcher, so you're not going to – Damian Harris finish, you know, RB18 or better, I think is a long shot, unless he has a ton of challenge, which he just won't have with Cam there. But if he finishes RB22, like you said – or even RB30, which I know isn't sexy, but it's still like a middle RB2, um, you know, RB3, that's going to outpace his current ADP, and I think that that's a value with upside week-to-week -week, uh, with the Patriots there. And if they take the ball out of him's hands for whatever reason, or Mac Jones comes in and they don't let him turn it loose and throw the ball over the yard, which I don't think they will, they're going to run the ball a lot. And, yes, maybe Ramondre Severinsen gets some work as a rookie. Sony Michelle's toast, in my opinion, and that's not James White's game. So – I would yeah. look to Damian Harris as well. Okay, man, let's get into our sleepers. So we have a sleeper pick, which is rounds 11 through 14, <laughs> and we have a deep sleeper, rounds 15 plus. So rounds 11 through 14, the eligible players in this division, again, we're talking the AFC East, Devontae Parker, Devin Singletary, Corey Davis, Hunter Henry, and Jonu Smith, both of the new tight ends there for the Patriots, Elijah Moore, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, if he plays, awkward, Tua Tungavailoa, my boy James White, and Nelson Aguilar, another Patriot. Who do you have as your sleeper rounds 11 through 14? I hate, I don't like any of you guys, to be honest with you. Full disclosure, it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. It really is. I honestly, okay, this is what my gut tells me. Last, so two years ago, I did this analysis, and it was basically trying to figure out how many fantasy points a receiver and tight end generates per drop back. Okay. One of the guys that was awesome in the metric was Stefan Diggs. But Stefan Diggs was going to Buffalo. He's playing with Josh Allen, changing teams. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to really look at Stefan Diggs. Well, Stefan Diggs goes bananas the next year. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Corey Davis was top five in the metric. It was, you know, and when you look at Corey Davis's season, he had 10.9 yards per target and averaged 2.5 plus yards per route run. That is unprecedented efficiency. These are the guys that finished ahead of him. Adams, Demonte Adams, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and then him, then Stephon Diggs in yards per route run. I don't think people realize how great of a season Corey Davis really had. And now he's going into an offense. Listen, you know, the Matt LaFleur scheme that Arthur Smith took over, now he's playing for Mike LaFleur, who's Matt LaFleur's brother. So there should be some correlation for Corey Davis. Now, granted, he's not going to have A.J. Green on the other A.J. Brown on the other side, excuse me, to help attract defenses. But this guy's a top five wide receiver pedigree. And it might have just taken him a few years to kind of catch up and learn the game and be good. So I just think that from that perspective, you're getting him in the double-digit rounds. And he could potentially be on a team that's not good. And listen, garbage time matters in fantasy. Yeah, so if does. the Jets are not a good defense – and I know that Robert Saul is going to do his thing, but the Jets are not a great team overall, and they're playing with a young quarterback. There could be a lot of extra points in the fourth quarter for this team. And I think Corey Davis has the pedigree, but also showed last year how good he was. So I think that if I'm going to take a shot in any of these AFC East guys in the double-digit rounds, in this early double-digit rounds, it's going to be Corey Davis. I like to call on Corey Davis. I'm just I'm just of the mind that I still have a bad taste in my mouth from the first five years of yeah. Corey Davis is going to break out. Um so I know he had a great season last year, and it was good to see. But moving to a team with a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, you know, a new coordinator in that scheme as well, uh, I just I would rather lean Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis in this division is my sleeper in the rounds eleven to fourteen. 
599 yards and receiving touchdowns last year on just 62 targets. I expect the targets to go up. They did bring in Emmanuel Sanders, but they got rid of John Brown. I think John Brown or the John Brown role is going to be handled by Gabriel Davis. And I think depending on what happens with Cole Beasley in or out, I think that Emmanuel Sanders plays more of like a slot or inside role versus that deeper target. And we know that Josh Allen likes to chuck it deep uh, with efficiencies down the field. Gabe Davis last year had nine games in 2020 with at least four targets. He scored a touchdown or went over 80 yards in six of those games. He had five targets or more in four of his last six games, and he scored a touchdown in four of those last six games as well. We've seen Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders' ceilings over their career, and Cole Beasley has been underrated really as a fantasy asset his entire career. Emmanuel Sanders also, I think, has been underrated and you know, tough as nails, but coming back off another injury, Gabriel Davis has yet to hit his ceiling and really get an equal opportunity to play full snaps. So I think that happens this year. Beasley's 32. Sanders is 34. They both have injury history. Obviously the vaccine drama with Beasley, which we're not going to get into right now, but there's a chance he just doesn't play for one reason or another. If that happens, Gabriel Davis is going to spike and he won't be a sleeper anymore. Um, he's already kind of getting murmurs as a sleeper in the in the scene, but of these players, I'm going to lean. Uh, I'm going to lean Gabriel Davis, not Corey Davis. I know you like Corey yeah, Davis. I, Do you have I a don't. fade on Gabriel Davis? No, I don't. So the thing is this: I, I talked a little bit about with Dan Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson, kind of the same vibe a little bit. Where if Emmanuel Sanders flat out just wins the number three job and Gabriel Davis is still the number four, I don't really want the number four receiver on any team. So. I think Emmanuel Sanders is a great benchmark. And plus this whole all this stuff going on with Cole Beasley, if he retires and then that three receiver set, let's say Sanders kicks inside and you got Gabriel Davis playing almost every down, I'm all in. And I think a lot of people will be. Yeah. But at the same time, if if Beasley's there, then you have Diggs, of course, being that hog. But also if Sanders beats him out, I, I just don't know. I think it's going to be a good test for training camp preseason. If Gabriel Davis beats Emmanuel Sanders, then I think you got to buy. you got to take the investment because – He's better than a veteran who's proven himself year over year. And if the team feels comfortable with this kid, with Josh Allen throwing the ball, I think I'm buying. Awesome. I do like I do like Gabriel Davis. And I, I just don't see myself picking Corey Davis, but I do hope Corey Davis, you know, does well this year. Because, look, if Corey Davis can duplicate what he did at the back end of last year, I will be in next season. I just have to yeah. see it with a rookie quarterback and and new regime and everything else. Okay, we do have our deep sleepers. This is somebody that you're just throwing a dart at. You're hoping for the best. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, I want to give a shout-out to our final sponsor of the show and give a big up to Bomb Banana. Seekthespice.com. Bomb Banana is a new sponsor. The promo code is TCK, 10% off of your order. Banana Bay, not banana flavored. Again, seekthespice.com. Shouts out to our friends out in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Came up with a cool idea in their dorm room. Decided to do fruit-based hot sauce. Great idea. I We have a, a, an incredible funky taco spot here in Eugene, Oregon. And they're called Tacovore. They're fantastic. And they have a bunch of like pineapple, habanero, jalapeno, um, uh, you know, peach, uh, different things like that. So fruit-based Spicy hot sauces. I love them. And uh, Bomb Banana is one of those. Banana-based, not banana-flavored. Seekthespice.com. Bobby, you went on a couple of shows ago, and you did a taste did. test, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. You've done a couple of posts since. <laughs> I noticed – I saw that you had – I saw that you had uh, Bomb Banana on 
uh, hot wings. I saw that you had it on some yeah. pizza. I like uh -huh. it on my morning eggs. Um, I put it pretty much anywhere. Bomb banana. And you had a show with Josh last episode and he went out and got some as well there. Supported so, us. uh, yeah. repping the bomb banana. And again, I've, I've mentioned this a few times, but right now, Bobby, the next fruit, if it was your call, you're the CEO of bomb banana and you're being like, guys, the banana base is amazing. Let's get a new fruit Ooh. though. Which fruit are you going to go with here? Which is your next fruit to base your next hot sauce of? I'm going to say mango. Nice, sweet, wow. little hot, sauce, sweet thing. Go like a sweet and sour type sauce thing going on. I like Perfect. Mango. Perfect. I'm going to stick with a, I'm going to stick with like a peach because I'm in slow, but I feel like a pear would be like a nice, smooth, silky uh, banana style as well. All right. We got into bomb banana there. So again, seekthespice.com, promo code TCK for your order. Let's get into our deep sleepers, man. Rounds 15 plus. This is your end of the draft. You're picking your, your third quarterback, your ninth receiver, eighth running back, your third tight end, whoever it is. Who in this division, Bobby, will it be? Again, eligible players deep in this draft. Ramondre Stevens, uh, Cam Newton, Tevin Coleman, Jamison Crowder, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Wilson, Jacoby Myers, Denzel Mims, Malcolm Brown, Salvin Ahmed, Herndon, Yaboa, um, who of this entire division um, would you be feeling here as your deep sleeper around right. 15 plus? Okay. So before I start, my heart breaks. As not, it's not Chris Herndon because um, he's not even starting with the ones. But if we start hearing Chris Herndon. Kenny Yaboa. Chris Herndon makes the jump to first team over Ryan Griffin. Um and company, I, you know what, I, you know me, I'm going to start, the, ta the tail's going to be wagging the dog, I can tell you that much. All right, but here's a serious one, it's Cam Newton. Okay, I'm going to throw out a lot of numbers, because I'm just, that's what we do. Like so anyway, so, from 2011 to 2018, Cam Newton averaged 588 dropbacks per season, and 496 attempts. Last season, it fell all the way to 501 dropbacks, and 368 attempts. That's a minus 130 attempts last year off his career average when he was with the Panthers, okay? Now, when you look at his rushing, his 12 rushing touchdowns was abnormal, but his passing touchdowns was so bad that if you actually just net out the drop in rushing touchdowns but his increase in passing touchdowns versus career averages, he gets six more touchdowns this year just on that. So six more touchdowns will get him from that 17 or so points per game. It will jump him just under 20 points per game and six points per passing touchdown leagues. That would be inside the top 20 for quarterbacks. Now, that's QB 19. That's right by where Joe Burrow was last year. So now he's already approaching and way out kicking that QB 30 plus that he is right now in ADP. The other thing about Cam is his passing numbers overall were just terrible. He averaged about 175 passing yards per game. It's 225 for his career. So if he just gets back to that career average in passing yards, and there's a reason why I'm having this conversation up front, because I'm going to explain why it's very reasonable to do that. I went on an absolute rant about what the Patriots did for their skill position players. But if he just gets another 50 yards per game, which is his career average, then, you know, that sounds like a lot. It is a lot. But when I explain to you why it's very, very feasible to do, it is. He now jumps inside the top 15 for quarterbacks because he'll be up to that 22 points per game. That's like inside the top 15. It's just beyond guys like Kirk Cousins last year. So right here, we're already cutting his ADP in half. Now, this is career averages. 
Cam Newton could do more, could do less. I get that. But now let's focus on the, the moves they made this offseason, the Patriots. They added Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry to replace guys like Ryan Izzo, Dalton Keene, and Devin Asiasi. Okay? Yeah, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about exactly. Okay? Now, receiving core. They had Nikhil Harry, whatever the heck he is nowadays. Damari Bird, which, you know, I guess he's a nice player. And Jacoby Myers getting a bigger target share than Tyreek Hill. Okay? Tyreek Hill got less target share than Jacoby Myers. That's how dependent this entire team was on an undrafted free agent. Now you add Nelson Aguilar and your boy Kendrick Bourne, who I know for a fact are two better receivers than everything they had last year. So now you're surrounding Cam Newton with actual NFL talent. It's obvious that he's going to he's going to get closer to his career averages in passing yards, and on top of that, his passing touchdowns. So now we're talking about close to a top 15 quarterback. You can get him in the last round. My thing is with Cam, there's upside for more. This guy's motivated. He had a bad year. He was embarrassed last year. You could tell he's motivated this year. But now he has guys that he can work with a little bit here. In the mobile quarterback cheat code, he is the only quarterback who's a starter right now who has the the running QB cheat code that's not even being drafted. Everybody else is probably top 10. Jalen Hurts, who's only done it for three games, is going top 10 quarterbacks. Cam Newton has done it for a decade. And I understand that things didn't look good last year, but the improvements plus his usage of his legs, they used his legs a lot. I believe that Josh McDaniels and, and Bill Belichick understand what Cam Newton is. That's why they went out and got two tight ends. They know how good he was with Greg Olson for all those years. They got him two tight ends. Target the middle of the field, nothing too deep. Focus on the middle of the field. Use his legs. I I think that Cam Newton's going to be a top 15 quarterback. I think he's someone you have to put on the end of your bench, and I can see him upside for more in QB1 numbers in 2021. You're stoking my fire, dude. I'm just going to continue on here before we get out of here. He's also my deep sleeper. As you mentioned, New England added a bunch of weapons. You mentioned the ball. I won't say him again. Cam Newton played 15 of 16 games last year. I feel like the, the attitude in fantasy is that he's like, injury prone now he's hurt all the time he missed a bunch he didn't he was hurt he missed a season parts of a season came back after a surgery and now he's back he missed the game due to covid not due to uh, injury last year 12 rushing touchdowns only eight passing now that's going to be the immediate like only eight passing touchdowns dude right that's obviously going to go up that was insane they had no weapons around him he could have eight passing touchdowns the first three weeks give me a break i'm not worried about that Another year off of the shoulder injury, best overall weapon since his early days in Carolina. You mentioned his early days in Carolina in an earlier conversation. He's currently going as the QB 32. 32 quarterback. That's insane, right? Like, there are pairs of, of quarterbacks on the same team going ahead of him. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, only one can start. Both are going ahead of him. Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, only one can start. Both are going ahead of him, right? Nice. He was the QB 16 overall last year, only throwing eight passing touchdowns. He was the QB 14 in fantasy points per game. I did take out Dak, um, and I took out Garner Minshew and Marcus Mariota because their averages were insane over like five games. But players who played at least 10 games, he's the QB 14 in fantasy points per game. Again, only throwing eight passing touchdowns. If Cam Newton has another terrible quarterback season and throws 15 
He could double his passing touchdowns, still be horrendous, and double his opportunity. And then if he gets, what, eight, nine, ten Josh Allen rushing touchdowns, I think he's going to be just fine. So Cam Newton is not Josh Allen. He's not Cam Newton of five years ago. But he is absolutely better than multiple players that he's getting drafted behind. I did have a list. I want to bring it up here really quick here, Bobby, and then we'll get your thoughts and bump out of here. Cam Newton is going currently, again, this is NFC. Jeez, I got to keep scrolling. 18th round. I'll take him over Taysom Hill and Jameis right now because I don't know who's the quarterback. Take him over uh, Zach Wilson. I'll take him over Jared Goff. I will take him over um, probably uh, – I'll take him over Daniel Jones currently. I'll take him over Tua. Uh, J- Justin Fields isn't the starter yet. There's a lot of quarterbacks he's getting drafted way behind that I will take him over um, right now. Deshaun Watson still getting drafted over him. He's not even on a team. So, well, in his situation. So I like Cam Newton as well as my deep sleeper, and he will be at the end of all my benches as well. Yeah, I, and the other thing people don't realize, he was he didn't get brought in early. He got he came onto the team late in yep. the offseason last year, and then he got June. COVID. Yep. Then he had the COVID situation. So my thing is, that, like, it just wasn't going to work. Plus, we've always learned about the complexities of the New England offense, and now you have a quarterback for the new quarterback for the first time, like ever, who has to learn all this stuff with no weapons. And and the thing is, too, there's only one. There's only one variable that I've noticed over the years that you see. I'm talking about the, the second year leap all the time. And there's only when you have the same quarterback and the same coach going into their second year. That's the only time you actually see positive increases in fantasy points. Every other scenario, it's almost neutral. The only time is when you have the same quarterback, same offensive coordinator going into their second year. You're guaranteed to see an increase in production, almost. And, and that's and that's what Cam Newton and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are doing this year. 100%. Totally agree. And, Bobby, you always say it. Um, continuity means everything in fantasy football, especially at the quarterback position. We know that that's going to happen in year two. And, yes, they brought in first-round draft pick Mac Jones. Yes, Mac Jones could play eventually. Cam Newton is going to be the starter, in my opinion, until he gets injured, if he gets injured. If Cam Newton plays an entire season or he plays 14-plus games or whatever um, overall, he will outproduce QB 32, which is insane. And he could potentially be QB 15 and has weak winning upside with his legs alone. If he gets back to anything close to what he used to be as a passer early days in Carolina, now that he's more healthy with better weapons, he could then outproduce that as well. Do not sleep on Cam Newton. I would rather have him on my team than have the random person in my league scoop him off waivers in week three because he's killing it and then start running the league. So don't lose out on Cam Newton. All right, we had our studs, our duds, our breakouts, our sleepers, and our deep sleepers for the AFC East. Tough division to break down, Bobby, but somehow we filled out an entire hour of this division. <laughs> and I think, you know, about 15 minutes of my rant, so that maybe helped us get to time, yeah. which I appreciate. But always a pleasure, man. We'll be back with you for the rest of this week with some more episodes. We got the NFC East coming up here. We got some great guests logged in for this week. Bobby and I are going to be breaking down the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Washington football team. Make sure to follow us anywhere you listen to your Believe Network podcasts. Make sure to leave a rate and review. Leave a rate right here on the YouTube. Leave a subscribe and hit the bell. Leave a comment on how you feel about these guys in the AFC East. Follow Bobby on Twitter, Bobby Lamarco, and on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor. You can find me on Twitter, Sky Guasco, and on Instagram, Fantasy Football underscore TCK pod. Bobby, any last thoughts here before we get out of here? Nah, man, this was good. Um, 
I just think that, you know, at this point, the fact that we're able to power through for an hour on the AFC East for the squad, just so you guys know how dedicated we are to you. So we're looking forward to doing a lot more of these in the next couple of weeks. We're grinding, family. Tell a friend, tell a family member. 418 episodes in the books. We'll catch you next time. For my man, Bobby LaMarco, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.